Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today as we do our sermon recap that we try to do each and every week. Release on Wednesday, just going over the sermon of this past week. And this past week, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, still plodding through 1 Timothy, almost done uh, with it. But this week, we only looked at two verses, verses 11 and 12. And verses 11 and 12 says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. All right. I'm done. That says it all. (laughs) I think that says everything. That's a wrap. (laughs) Let's move on. speaks for itself. This comes off of uh, a couple weeks ago talking about contentment, um, where Paul is talking to Timothy uh, to teach about contentment and what contentment is. Um, So much so he would say, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so having that in our, our mind of wanting to be content, it does maybe seem a little curious that Paul then would start talking about these things that we are to, to do. Because a lot of times when we think about contentment, we might think about uh, lack of doing. Just I'm content where I'm at, you know, just stick with what I know, blah, 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 whatever. But now after this whole thought of contentment and the long conversations we've had on that, uh, <clears throat> he says we are to flee things we are to pursue we are to fight and then we are to take hold and so there's all this action which kind of helps because the big question i think from the sermon a couple weeks ago was the the difference between contentment and complacency we don't want to be complacent but we do want to be content and so how do we how do we work through those things and what does that look like in our life and we can kind of see some of that here is contentment obviously doesn't mean doing nothing or being lazy because Paul then goes to Timothy talking about to him as the man of God and, and telling him to do these things, which are very active, uh, almost very busy. It would, it would seem um, this idea of not being happy necessarily where you are at, but keep fighting the good fight, keep pursuing these things, keep, keep growing. And, and so there is kind of a, uh, a correlation we see with the, what we just read uh, the week before to, to this week. And so this idea of, of fighting, there was a lot of doing in the message. Do you guys mm-hmm. agree with that? Yeah. yeah. You got to well, balance I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. There are four imperatives. Yeah, exactly. In this. I mean, we talk about balancing grace and law and uh, this could be a very heavy kind of law thought of what we are to be doing as Christians and, uh, but I think it's good for us. But first, we do have to notice that Paul is talking to Timothy here. And so there are some who could argue that this is being told as a command to Timothy as the pastor. And so this is something that falls on pastors, which I would agree that that is the case. Um, but this also is something that all Christians are called to. And I mentioned that in the sermon, like in Peter uh where we're called to be holy, be holy because I am holy. There's a command there to all Christians to live a life that honors the Lord. And we see all kinds of places in the New Testament speaks about what that what that looks like. You can go to James and see about faith in action and orphans and widows. Just, there's all different places that we can go. And so we know that as Christians, when God saves us by his grace, he doesn't just save us and like set us off to the side and say, okay, now just stay here until you die. There's still a growth. There's still a process that we call sanctification that God works in our life. And we understand that <clears throat> even in this passage, it needs to be said that we cannot um, pursue righteousness or godliness or faith. We cannot fight the good fight unless the power of the Holy Spirit is enabling that in us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we recognize that. This isn't something we can do on our own. God is working in all of this. He He works in our justification and our salvation and then he continues to work in these in these things as well. Um, and so we talked a little bit about the man of God again. Okay, this is uh, Old Testament language that is used, I think, if I remember right, like 70 sometimes in the Old Testament, uh, but specifically for the people that I had mentioned, Moses, Joshua, David, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha. There's a couple, couple others in there that I just didn't mention. Um but again, it shows the importance of that role of pastor 
in Paul's mind in speaking to Timothy, comparing them to these great men of the of Israel, and uh, and so we got to remember that that for the pastor, there is the call to preach the gospel, and so that is that is the that is the most important. Uh, thing that differentiates pastors, I think, from other Christians is you are tasked as a pastor to preach the word to a congregation. Uh, so the people that God has given you within that congregation is your task to preach the word. That is, that's what sets the pastor apart. Pretty much everything else, though, all Christians then have in common of serving each other, loving each other, caring for one another. Uh, even the business of the church doesn't have to be the pastor necessarily doing the business of the church the church members can can do that 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 preaching of the word is what sets us apart um but our life the scripture i does i do think says that as pastors how we live our lives as pastors outside of the pulpit will directly impact the life of the church as well and i think that's what's being stressed here to timothy which we had already seen uh I'd have to flip through here and look. But when uh, people were ridiculing Timothy for being too young, remember he was saying, live a holy life, and they can't ridicule you. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see that happening again again here. So the first thing he says is to flee. Two things to flee uh, that we see throughout First Timothy mainly is false teaching. Uh, being true to the word of God is something we must do. But then also uh, the love of money, the love of money here. Uh was there anything else you guys would add to that to flee as we've been going through First Timothy? I just I just thought those two really encapsulated the false teaching idea, and then uh, he had just been talking about the love of money, and he's going to get to it again. Yeah, no, shortly. those things those things are what is the there those two topics yeah. are mm-hmm. what are in the immediately preceding right um, context about di- teaching a different doctrine, and also. Um, you know, you mentioned the discontentment that comes where people think that godliness is a means to financial or material gain. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so those two things are preeminently in Paul's mind whenever I think he says these things. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be the the two things I think that would be at the forefront. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would look at false teaching and be like, oh, that's an easy one to avoid. The money one is harder. But in truth, false teaching is, <laughs> I think it's difficult because... Yeah. Uh, even today, I mentioned like the news and the media because I was saying how uh, it's so easy to scratch itching ears, as Timothy would say in Second Timothy, uh, to appease people. That when you look at news agencies who I think do that, right? They they now know that they have an audience who's on the left or on the right or whatever, and they try to write articles that will appeal to them to read to scratch their ears. It's very hard, I find, to discern good news from bad news. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not just like, oh, that's just really left-leaning news or right-leaning news. No, it's like, I, I would just like to know the truth. Like, is the building on fire? And I don't know if I can even trust this article because, you know, it, that's right. the stuff that's right. that's hard to wade through. Well, well yeah. and what's interesting too is Paul expl- Paul's, connects these two things, mm-hmm. false teaching and the love of money. And we see those things go hand in hand today. But he says this, he, this person who is puffed up with conceit, who teaches a different doctrine, he says he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So he explicitly connects mm-hmm. the the pursuit of false teaching, which produces envy and all of these things, which then is rooted in a in a mind and a mentality and an attitude that imagines that religion is a means of financial or material gain Mm. Um, and so he explicitly connects false teaching with discontentment and in one sense you can see that already because they're not content with the teaching that accords with godliness so they're not going to be content in their in their financial lives or in any, any other yeah. place because their teaching itself is not content with what God has mm-hmm. just plainly, plainly revealed in scripture. Yeah. I was thinking too, just about the false teaching. Like you said, Tim, you know how easy it is. We tend to be, Oh, you know, yeah, that's an easy thing to avoid. But you think about like even our culture, even pastors that are being trained, there is this sense of pressure 
you know, with like church growth and, you know, you know, attracting people for, for them, for pastors that are, that are kind of coming up the ranks, if you will, to fall into that, like, well, you know what, these, these particular things, you know, are issues I'm just going to avoid because it's not popular. I don't want to turn people away. It's that whole attractional mindset. It's that whole, like, looking outside of the church, you know, uh, uh, to, to reach the community and do all that stuff. And I think that there is a, a, a temptation for pastors to water down truth, which can fall into false teaching. And that's why a lot of pastors don't do expository preaching because they're like, well, I don't want to deal with certain issues that scripture teaches, right? And so I think that false teaching can be very seductive and very subtle today in our consumeristic culture as far as like when it comes to like church growth and that kind of stuff. So I was thinking about that yesterday when you were preaching. Yeah. Yeah. The person that probably gets made fun of the most for false teaching, at least in our circles, is Joel Osteen. But if you listen to him, I would love if what he said was true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the stuff he says are like good things to hear to my fleshly ears Yeah. of how special I am, of how in this life there's things that can go really good for me, how God is uh, for me and the way he is for me are these things. Like I, I want to hear that. Like I, I would love to hear that from people in general. If they came to me and spoke that way, it's like, Tim, I'm, I'm for you, you know? And we like, like that's a, that is appealing. I mean, that's a nice thing to hear. Uh, and it's easy to, it's so easy to fall into that type of rhetoric, mm-hmm. especially when you're not studied and planned out of what you are going to say. So like at a funeral, it's very easy to fall into the trap of false teaching mm-hmm. when you're doing a funeral because everything in you wants wants to tell that family it's okay. Yeah. It's all okay. Mm-hmm. When the majority of the time it's not, I mean, it's just not true. Right. And so I fell into this. I've heard other pastors fall into this. When you listen to the funeral message and it's like that message just was not true. It Mm. scratched the ears. There's another way to go about it, but they just were there to please those people today. Mm -hmm. And they did not actually do their job of honoring the Lord, I would say, in what they taught. Mm -hmm. Um. And so for me, uh, one of the ways I've fought this, I've found as I've grown, hopefully I've grown, I don't know, maybe I've went down in my preaching, is I used to think that when I would grow in my preaching and get better, I wouldn't need notes as much. That used to be a thought of mine. Hmm. And it's actually been the opposite. I've learned that I probably need more notes so that I stick to what is true mm-hmm. as I'm studying and writing the sermon and thinking through everything. That way, when I'm up there on stage, I'm not just spitballing because when I spit, if I'm going to spitball, I might say, I might say something I probably shouldn't, you know, uh, because it's just maybe a normal saying in the world today or whatever. And right. it's not really true according right. to the word of God. And so, uh, it's important for us to stay true to what God's word says and mm-hmm. not even what I think is best. You know, I mm-hmm. could easily, I could easily get up there and just say my thoughts, you know, or mm-hmm. what I think is going on in culture and how I think it needs to be addressed. But that's not, that's not the job. Up, that's not the job up there. Mm-hmm. And that's where all of a sudden dissension can happen and strife. And uh, it's our job to stay uh, true to the word. So we, we are to flee false teaching and then love of money. Um, was the other one. Do you guys have anything on that? I feel like I've been talking two weeks on money and bums me out. (laughs) Well, you said it so well. I mean, it's not that money and wealth is in itself wrong, you know? And I think that's sometimes can be a thought like, Oh, you know, it's, it's, we need to be poor because, you know, it's just that, you know, meek and mild and humble, you know, look at, you know, St. Francis and, you know, he gave everything and he lived as a, you know, hermit and whatever. And that's not, that's, that's a, that's an overcorrection, right? Um, but especially living in the Western culture, money is a huge seductive thing where, um, you know, we, we have to be very careful and very, very, and be very wise. Um, it, we, we don't live hand to mouth like in Jesus's day. I mean, most of the people he was preaching to and ministering to were pretty impoverished. Um, and we're not in India or other contexts where it's very difficult as far as financially. So it is something that has to be constantly, um, we think through and we pray through and we're wise about how we go about spending. Because there's a lot, like I think, was it 
couple weeks ago when you mentioned about Amazon, like, oh, look at that. Oh, I need that. You know, <laughs> it's like the new iPhone comes out. Oh, yeah, I really need that. That's the constant. It's in our face. It's the water we drink. And uh, I think to, to kind of navigate through that and have a good balance, like it's not wrong in itself. Having an iPhone is not wrong or having this is not wrong. But being careful that we're not being pulled by what the world says is valuable or what gives us value in meaning financially speaking, you know. So. It's also worth reminding ourselves, too, that the, the prosperity gospel is big in Africa. That's true. And in South that America. That's true. So the, love of, the, the yeah. love of money is a universal human <laughs> sin. Um, and so that's actually what we're, what we're talking about is that's the problem. Um, and so, for instance, I, one, of, one of the verses that's uh, helpful in this is Proverbs chapter 30. Um, this is the words of Agur. I don't know how you say that. The son of Jacob. But he says this, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me. Uh, remove me far from falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be fool and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So part of wisdom is if you're going to ask for anything, ask, actually, he's kind of just saying, pray the Lord's prayer. Give me this day, my daily bread Yeah. today. Give me what's needful for me because he's, he says the, the writer here sees the danger of riches, but also the danger of poverty because both can lead us to either deny the Lord or profane the name of the Lord. And so he says, just give me my daily bread, what's needful for me today. Mm-hmm. That's contentment, I think, um, yeah. being content with uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. Give us our daily bread. So um, I always think about that verse as mm-hmm. the helpful navigating way yeah. between poverty and riches. Yeah, that's good. You know, when you, uh, <clears throat> I feel like sometimes when you preach messages, you can get a feeling of the crowd of where they're at. And, and like a couple of weeks ago with the contentment one, I think it was more uh, people were thinking through it. Uh, this week, though, the response was, uh, it just seemed like people were staring at me th- saying, I know that we love money, and I need you to stop talking about it. Mm. That's what it felt like. Everybody was looking at me mm. thinking, <laughs> like, everybody in this room knows that we're all bad at this, so we just shouldn't talk about it. And uh, that's that's one of the reasons why we preach the way we do of going first by verse, so you can't avoid it. And yeah. I think the answer is yeah. I mean, myself too. It's 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 this thing that is always there. But yet, Paul is clearly telling Timothy, like we cannot deny. He is telling Timothy, flee, run away from the love of money. Don't let this be part of your life. And again, I go back to the fact there are so many other sins that we would flee from. And, and But this is one that I think in our culture, it's just become commonplace to keep it close by, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay for that to happen. Uh, but the Bible says something just drastically different. And again, the Bible is written for our good to help us. And so like when you think about contentment, if you are truly content, you are living a great life. No matter what you're content in, you are content. That, that is, should be a desire for us. And God can give us that. He gives us that in Christ. And now he wants something good for us. And he's saying, listen, don't fall for the lie that we chase after money. Don't do that. Flee the love of money. Again, if you're wealthy, honor the Lord in that. If you're poor, you honor the Lord in that. Wherever you find yourself, you're content and you're honoring honoring the Lord. And so if God provides wealth for you, wow, what a blessing because I wasn't seeking this. You know what I mean? This wasn't like my goal in life. But yet God has now given this to me. Uh, but that's just so, I, I understand that it's difficult for all of us. And, you know, uh, we used to have services here back in the day. People would go to the altar. And the fact is, if there ever was a time to go to the altar and confess, it would have been this sermon. Mm. And it should have been full. Everybody in there could have said, this is me. I'm, I, this is a sin that I need to, to deal with. But, again, I just think it's such an easy sin to, to push aside, yet... Whenever the Bible talks about money, it's often talking about mm-hmm. the warning. Be careful with this. It's like kind of like with the tongue. You know, the tongue is this fire. Mm-hmm. It's like money. You gotta you gotta watch out for it. And so, Paul's telling Timothy here, uh, avoid the love of money. And as I read in, uh, oh, these are all out of order. In First Corinthians ten, a lot of times the way that we avoid temptation 
isn't to be strong, but it's to uh, to run. Yeah, that was good. I thought of Joseph, you know, with Potiphar's wife, and mm-hmm. he was faithful, and and he didn't linger, you know. Um, he could have, and he just he ran. I mean, he booked it, high tail out of there, and he was still, you know, falsely accused, but he he did not put himself in that situation. And I think that's such a good, you know, and the same thing with, with uh, Lot in Sodom, you know, angels were like, don't look back, flee. And I think that's a good reminder that um, we need to not just stand there and be like, oh, I think I, I, I'm, I'll be okay. You know, I can handle this or, you know, I can, I can watch this and, you know, it, it won't affect me. Nope. We have to flee. You know, we have to know what our, where we're vulnerable and we have to, you know, not think we're going to be strong enough um, you know, to, to handle it. That's not what the Bible says yet. We do that sometimes I think too. So that was a good reminder. I thought of Joseph just, yeah, yeah it's a book good one. It. Right. <laughs> All right. Paul then goes on to say pursue. So we flee, but then there are things to per- pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. How, <clears throat> how do we, uh, what would you guys say about pursuing this? How do we how do we do that? How do we actively pursue all these things? I mean, all these things, I know we, I separated them and talked about them all individually and what they could mean, but they are all very connected. Um, so how do we as Christians, or what has God given us to actively pursue these things and actually see success in it? <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, this is the opposite of this. Flee these kinds of things flee these things and those things like them, pursue these kinds of things. Um, Paul will often um, talk about how whenever we, uh, the first step is um, how we think about ourselves and our identity in Christ. So Paul will say um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so the I, the phrase there is interesting, set your minds on things that are above, because you remember whenever Peter comes to Jesus, after, after Peter's made the confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Peter then, uh, Jesus says, all right, that's, that's, your, that's a correct answer, and now I'm going to tell you guys I'm going to die. And Peter comes and takes Jesus aside, the one that he's just said is the son of the living God and rebukes the son of the living God for saying that. And Jesus says, you are setting your minds on the, you're setting the thing, your mind on the things of men, not on the things that are above. Your mind is not set on those things. I think the first step is we have to set our minds on the things of God, on things that are above, set our minds on these things because the root of sin is um, an inside job. It's from the inside. And so we have to set our minds upon the things that are above where Christ is. And that that first and foremost happens as we uh, attend church. And you come to church and you hear the word of God read. You hear it preached. You hear it um, sung. You hear it prayed in light of. And uh, as that happens, God uses those, we call them means of grace. Those are the means by which God changes us. Because the reality is, is I can't change my heart. It is impossible for me to do that. But God uses those things to change me. And as I come to them, as I hear the word of God, as I receive it, as I seek to understand it, as I read my Bible at home, as I pray, um, I ask the Lord daily and maybe hourly for faith in his promises and repentance um, that is fueled by faith in Christ and by the, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'm continually coming back to God every single day moment by moment, depending upon him, looking to him, asking him to help me in these things. And then out of that, we pursue these characteristics. We pursue what's righteousness and what's righteousness look like. Well, it looks like Jesus and Jesus is the living embodiment of the 10 commandments. So one of the things we have to do is know what God's will is for our lives. And we have to, again, come to church. We have to understand those things. We have to read the scriptures, um, so on and so forth. And so I think it really just looks like an ordinary faithful Christian life. 
flee these kinds of things and now pursue these things within the context of your local church and uh, within the context of constant faith and dependence and trust in Christ and his power to change us and to give us um, um, to give us the power that we need to to put to death the things that characterize us in the old man and to put on those things um, that that look like Christ that he says we're supposed to. Um, so to really just live out our baptism in that sense then mm. to put to death and put and be raised alive. Yeah, we we're not left alone to pursue these things. It, it's not like God saves us and now says, all right, this is what you got. You got to go pursue these things without telling us or giving us ways to actually accomplish this task. And I think too often we think that there's like some formula that we need to come up with in order for us to live this way. But God's given us the formula. As you said, Spencer, it's you should go to church because God's given us pastors and leaders to teach us the word of God. Uh, he's given us church family as we sing and worship together and gather together. He's given us the Lord's Supper to visually tell us the gospel again and again and remind us of what he has done for us. And he's given us baptism, our own baptism, but then also we have the privilege of seeing other people get baptized, which again is a reminder visually of what God has done for us. And I think too often we water these things down. Water. Get it? I didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we act like these are not the things, that there's other things that I have to do in order to pursue these things. And the fact is, no, this is what God has given us. Yes, you, you should read your Bible at home. That's a good That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But that's also a new thing. <laughs> For a long time, good faithful Christians didn't read their Bible at home because they couldn't read and they also didn't have the Bible mm-hmm. at home. But they still were able, they were still called to pursue righteousness, godliness, steadfastness, all these things. So do we, that is a benefit of living today is we do have our Bibles that we can read uh, on our own. But really it's, it's the church in the, the church family and the things that God has given the church that we're called to. Um, you don't have to go on some summer long backpacking trip to find God. You know, that doesn't, that's not a thing. That's not, that's not real. You don't have to find God by going on a mission trip. Mission trips are fine and they're good, but that's not what's necessary, you know, in order to do this uh, and to be a faithful Christian. It's those ordinary things that God has given us that we need to be faithful to. And that's why people are so messed up today is because they don't want to do the ordinary things. Going to church just a couple times a month is good to them. And it's like, no, that's not good enough for you. You need this. This is what God has established. This is what he has set up for you. Stop going what, out what, of that. We, we, we still struggle with the uh, sin. Which is a false teaching that we fall right. into. We still <laughs> struggle with the sin of Naaman, the Syrian. Yeah. Who... Whenever he came, remember, Naaman was a leper, and he comes, and he wants to get healed. He comes to Elisha. Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends a servant out and says, if you want to be healed, go dip yourself seven times in the water of the Jordan. Elisha, or Naaman's ticked because he says, that's it. Oh, yeah, you he didn't wants, come and see me. I thought so. you were going to come out and wave your hand over me and do something <laughs> stupendous. All I've got to go do is just bathe in the water seven times, and I'm. what's different about the Jordan River than the rivers elsewhere? But his servants are like, listen, didn't he say you're going to get healed? So he goes and does the simple thing. And that's kind of, that's the way the Lord works. Mm -hmm. Um, The Lord has told us in the word of God where he is going to be found. He told us, you can meet, he says, I'll I'll, I'll give you everything you need uh, to justify you, to sanctify you, to adopt you. I'll give you everything you need and I'll meet you at this place at this time. And that place and that time is Sunday morning at 10.30 at MNBC. That's where he shows up and gives us the things we need. Mm-hmm. Now, we would rather go and find, try to search for God, but we can't go pull him down from heaven, and we don't have to go look for him in the depths of the earth. He's right there where the word is read, preached, sung, and prayed, mm-hmm. and visualized in baptism in the Lord's Supper. And that's where the Lord's told us we can meet him. And we, we, but we're going to be like Naaman and look for every place else to go find God, except for the one place he's told us he will meet us at. And so that again is so important. Another, another basic principle too is, is whenever you read all these imperatives, it reminds me of uh, St. Augustine's prayer, command what you will, but give what you command. 
So when we read these commands, we're nat- our natural tendency is to read these flee, pursue, fight, take hold, is to think, well, I can do those things. But the reality is, is you can't do these things except for when God gives you the power to do mm-hmm. these things. And so whenever Jesus, everything that God commands you to do, he also promises you he will give you the ability to do them. Mm-hmm. And so the even these commands, they're good commands, but they're still commands. And so we still have to go back to Jesus Christ and ask for his spirit to work in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds to set our minds on the things of God so that we can even fulfill um, these commands. And that happens preeminently whenever the saints are gathered um, for the worship of God. That's good. So after pursuing these things, righteousness, I'll say them again, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, very difficult, gentleness, as I talked about, um, hard thing to do. Paul goes on and says, fight. He says, the good fight, the good fight of the faith. Um, And so we see this action of pursuing, but also... I don't know. It kind of stresses it maybe a little more of a pursuit, but also a, a fight. And as Christians, we are in a battle. It's, it's, it's a war that's won by Christ, but we continue to fight in battle. That's why we're told to put on the armor of God, right? We are going to face battles uh, and difficulties, but yet we are to fight this good fight of faith. One, it's, very, it's worth it. And so we, I read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul would talk about uh, disciplining himself, uh, beating himself like a boxer, you know, or or Mm -hmm. just like a runner, uh, not beating in the air like a boxer who comes into the ring. He's not really hitting anything. He's like, no, when I do stuff, it's strategic. It's planned. I'm looking to the prize. I'm looking forward. I'm not running to the left or right. These are the things that I, that I'm doing and focusing on. We, we see the fight that, that Paul is discussing and that he is talking about. And it's something that we should be doing as well, right? We're, we're fleeing sin. We're pursuing righteousness. And this is a daily fight to do that. And oftentimes, it's not a fight with the world. Mm-hmm. It's a fight with Satan, but of sin inside, right? To, to say, like you were talking about, Dave, a little bit, is like, here's a sin, and thinking, I'm strong enough to just stand here and take it. That's not the fight. Mm-hmm. It's No, a real, a real Christian believer right now is going to flee even though you're going to look silly maybe or whatever, you need to leave. You need to get out. Mm-hmm. That's the fight. And you just won that fight, yeah. right? Uh, other times, though, it is, uh, I don't know, the fight is I do need to be in God's Word, and I'm fighting myself to make sure I'm in it. I do need to fight to be at church on Sunday mornings or to be in Sunday school class or come on Wednesday nights and to pray with other believers. You know, all these things, is those are fights. Those are battles for a lot of us to keep reminding ourselves and the Lord reminding us, hey, this is what I've given you. This is what you need. This is good for you. So keep going. Keep keep fighting. Lay aside the things that are holding you down, right, that ensnare you, that are bringing you under the water. Uh, and I think if and people listening to this, if they've been a Christian at any time at all, they, they understand the fight that it's talking about. They understand probably wins. They understand losses uh, that they have have been through yet through all of that fighting you know we still have a good father who loves us and and cares for us and encourages us to keep going and enables us to keep going Mm -hmm. that's the power of the holy spirit that we're talking about being able to uh to keep fighting and so no doubt we all have days where we're extremely down we have days where we're extremely up and happy and excited and then we have days all in the middle Mm -hmm. and God is good to us in all of those days and all of those situations, and that's where we have to fight to remember the promises of God, uh, to remember the goodness of God, and then those up days to remember we're having an up day because God is good to us. Mm-hmm. It's not me that's doing this; it's yeah. Him. You know, I think I think too. One of the things that's helpful to be reminded of is um, if you're going to go play football and uh, you go put on the pads, you're going to get hit. That's part of the game. And if you get hit, you have to get back up and go get hit again. And then you got to get back up and know the next play, you're probably going to get hit. And that's part of the... And so if you're afraid of getting hit, don't play football. Similarly, if you're... 
or be a quarterback or be a quarterback. Be a quarterback. <laughs> so you can just, they're not allowed to get. Yeah, you can't really. Yeah, yeah be a quarterback <laughs> or a kicker because yeah. um, kicker's probably safer. <laughs> yeah, but like that's the way it is with the Christian life. If you don't want to get hit, then don't be a Christian mm. because you're gonna get hit every single day. Um, and I've learned some of my biggest. You talk about contentment. One of the things that Satan really gets us in a bind is he he makes us discontent with the fact that we're getting hit every day mm. and he hits us so that eventually he can make us think it's not worth it or yeah. or also wears us down or think we're surprised that we're getting hit but it's like it's football this is this is christianity <laughs> yeah this is a war mm-hmm. i mean what do you what did you expect it was going to be like to follow jesus yeah. and so don't be surprised whenever you wake up every day and you get hit by the world you get hit by the devil and that's where repentance kicks in by God's grace, you're able to get back up mm-hmm. and go for the next play and yeah. try again by his grace. And it's interesting because, the, I mean, the, the word that Paul uses for fight, you know, I just I looked it up just to kind of remind myself, but it's agonizomai, and it has the root word of agony. And it's a sports word. It's a, it was used in in the games of the day, you know, and it to, for wrestling and for, it has the idea of like, contending in gymnastic games so you're, you're it's strenuous you're, you're tim is a gymnast i think yeah. i didn't know that yeah. okay well there you go this speaks your language <laughs> know exactly what's being talked about <laughs> <laughs> but it has the idea of it to i'm reading the definition here to contend or to struggle with difficulties and danger the idea of you know of of training ourselves or buffeting ourselves and i think you're right and that's that is a good reminder because the prosperity gospel teaches, oh, you know, everything's going to work out. You know, God is for you, which is true. We know that according to his word, but it's not necessarily material for you. <laughs> prosperity, it's uh, it's it's a contention. You know, we have to do, that's, that's the work. It's not a law in that sense. It's the work of sanctification. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. Beat yourself. You know, Paul says, like you quoted 1 Corinthians 9, you know, as we're running this race, you don't run to, to, to not win. You run, but you have to beat yourself. You have to train yourself. There's and a I lot of people good. today who run to not win. I've seen them. I've seen them people <laughs> run. Like, just here for fun. Uh, just yeah. have a good time. Right. Well, and I think, too, applying the whole prosperity gospel thing, too, is there's also a spiritual prosperity gospel where people think, if I do the right things, That's true. I will be at perfect peace. Yes. No, you won't. Yeah, right. You will not. Because... We're still in this world. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, you know, the game's not over till it's over. You can't celebrate and get Gatorade dumped over you until the game's done. Yeah. Um, so until then, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to to receive the blows, but you might also give some blows. Mm-hmm. Um and so just be ready. That's that's part of the Christian life. Yeah. Um you signed up for this. That's what Jesus said, right? Whenever he said, Take up your cross daily. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what it means to be a follower of Christ. Is we, our our inner man is being killed, or the or excuse me the the inner the old Adam is being killed in us because the old Adam is still striving for peace in this world, and that's part of what baptism pictures to us. As I think Luther points out, is it's the drowning of the old Adam and the raising of the new man in Jesus Christ. So every day that old Spencer has to be held under the water and suffocated Mm -hmm. underneath the water Mm -hmm. so that eventually the new me in Jesus can, can live. Mm -hmm. And so baptism is actually in that sense, a very violent picture Mm -hmm. Uh, intentionally though, because crucifixion was a violent way of death. Right. Mm -hmm. And so baptism is in that sense, a violent picture of what the Christian life is like. It is killing and raising. Mm -hmm. I heard a sermon clip yesterday from uh, the guy who's always weepy, Paul Washer. Oh, yeah. Good old Paul Washer. And uh, he was talking about the life of Jacob and Esau. Right? Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Mm. And he pointed out, he said, look at their lives after. How did God hate Esau? And I thought it was pretty fascinating. He said he gave Esau everything. Esau had success in everything. He had. A, he ended up having a city. Mm. He became wealthy. Mm-hmm. He had the life everybody would want. That's what. That's the life that Esau got. But he never had the blessing of God in his life. Now, Jacob, on the other hand, how did he receive God's blessing? He was disciplined every day. He said, "Yeah, 
He was a deceiver. He got his hip put out of yeah, joint. He had to wrestle with God, <laughs> and he had so much strife in his life mm. every step of the way. But what did it do? It drew him to mm. God. It drew him to God, where Esau wasn't drawn to God because he gave Esau to himself, and Esau had everything he needed. Mm. And we would sit here and say, we want to be blessed by God. But to be blessed by God, according to Hebrews chapter 12, is to be disciplined by God. Mm-hmm. because a good father disciplines his children, right? If I see some kid at Walmart running around like crazy, not my kid, go ahead. I'm not going to discipline you. But if my kid does it, you're going to get disciplined. Why? Because I care about you, mm-hmm. and then you, need, you don't need to act that way in public, right? Uh, God disciplines his children, and he disciplines them. Why? Because he loves us, and it draws us closer to him and yeah. makes us more like our Savior day in and day out. And so we cannot look in the Bible— and look at the people in the Bible and ever find the person who's like, look at, this is the guy who God blessed and just gave him everything. Life was so simple and easy. There was no, no I mean, even Solomon, who had everything, wrote Ecclesiastes and sounds miserable yeah, <laughs> in his right. life, you know. Uh, well, and through discipline, he's been brought to a, a wise place of realizing yeah, where he's right, that yeah. right, where yeah. he's like, you know what, this really is all vanity unless you just trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Your your statement about Jacob reminds me of Jacob's words to Pharaoh in uh, Genesis 47. The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of, my, of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. So even the, the nature of Jacob... Um, describing his life as a sojourning, as an alien, yeah. as just a yeah. traveler, a pilgrim in this land. That's where David later on would have the psalm and say, I, like my fathers, have been a sojourner with you. And um, But you, you see, that's that's the interesting thing is, um, getting off a little track, but Cain, whenever he's expelled from God's presence, he goes and builds a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God tells him, you're actually going to be a wanderer on the earth. But from man's perspective, it looks like Cain is the one who's not a wanderer because he's, he's, he's making himself at home in the earth. And his descendants come up with music. They come up with farming activities. They, um, you know, they do all these things. They do some evil things like Lamech has two wives and kills a man. Um, but they look like they're to get like they've got it together, like there's success in this world. But God actually looks at them and says, those are actually the people who are wanderers ultimately. Mm-hmm. And the people that my people that are wandering through this world are actually looking to a city that actually has foundations. Um, looking look, to a city? That is, we're going to introduce, we are going to do this song at camp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, do you? Are. <laughs> yeah. Dave, work on that. No, we are, you uh, work. Yeah, I, we're going to play that I'm song not for the children. Work on that. You could ask Lucas to work on that, but <laughs> that's a classic, Dave. Looking for a city. All right, Brian, free and assurance. That's not a good. That's not good. You like we're a James Canup people. Well, they're both pretty similar, in my opinion. Actually, uh, have you been watching the NBA Finals? Yes. Do you like uh, Nikola Jokic? You a fan of him? Yeah, I am a fan. Are you doing what he does on his shoes? He always ties his wedding ring to his shoes every game. It looks like you got a wedding ring dang on he really? your uh, microphone. Right here. Where? Microphone. Oh. Is that your wedding ring? You do that ring You that do that is. to remember? I do not know. He ties that. his wedding ring to his shoes? Yeah, because you're not supposed to wear a wedding ring in a basketball game because people have got their fingers yeah, ripped yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, And so he, <laughs> he said just ever since he's been That's married, cool. wow. he just... Ties it on his shoe huh. so he don't forget it and then puts it on after. That's really And cool. the media is making a huge deal about it. And, of course, he's like, I've whatever. Been, I've always been doing this. Like, it's nothing <laughs> special. Where else am I going to put it? Yeah. Kind of yeah. Yeah. The, the Joker is good. <laughs> he is. The Joker I is I just very saw you good. doing it. I've never no. noticed that ring there. I is, thought is maybe. Is Denver still up? 3-1. 3-1. Tonight's probably the end. Probably unless, the end. Unless Jimmy Butler can put up, like, 45 points tonight. That could happen. Which could happen, but. The series over. You know what's pretty cool? This is a side step, side thing, but I did not realize this, that Aaron Gordon was drafted the same year that Jokic was. Aaron Gordon was drafted fourth overall. <laughs> yeah. And Jokic was drafted like 41st 40. or something like yeah, that. During a Taco Bell commercial. And maybe Jimmy Butler was drafted the same year too, potentially, um, in 2014. 
Um, I thought they said something. But anyway, because Jimmy Butler was a draft pick at the very end of the first round. But it's just fascinating. Now the roles are switched. You would have thought the fourth overall pick compared to the 40-something pick. But actually, the 40-something pick is actually the the two-time, potentially almost three-time MVP of the league. And Hmm. it's just dominating the Serbian guy, the Serb. Looks like Las Vegas might get their first Stanley Cup tomorrow night. Oh. They're at 3-1. Oh. And yeah. now they're getting. I a, thought uh, they won their very first year. Or they did. They, did. they went to the Stanley Cup. The Capitals beat them. Oh, they lost. They, lost. Oh. they didn't win it. Yeah, oh. they lost four or one. Or, mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I saw there was a little holdup with the A's stadium deal in yeah, Nevada. Something happened. Yeah. Oh, with the new. Well, the, yeah. Well, but, well, I mean, the A's are just going to move. They're going to move from to Oakland. Vegas. Oh, really? That's, That's what's happened. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And but so the, uh, some politician or because they were they're wanting them to build a stadium. Yeah, uh, interesting. In Something Vegas, but down. yeah, did they get voted down completely? I or? don't know if it was like a vote of the people. I feel like it was, it was in the legislature, else. I yeah, think, or something, which will be interesting because they you It'll said go through. you said the other yeah, day, right? Oakland only had three hundred people. There was the, like three hundred people at a game. It was sad. They the showed Oakland a picture. Really? It looked like a. I can't even say the Mudhens because Mudhens have more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <every game. laughs> I don't know. It's horrible. They, they really just don't have the draw. For the in I Oakland, guess, I guess. I guess Billy. They Bean say the stadium is garbage. Like uh, they say, sewage runs through it sometimes. They say it's just awful. It's classic stadium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, like, yeah, it's an old school, old stadium. school stadium. That's yeah. where Tony Larusa used to be, and Tony uh, Jose, Canseco, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, yeah, Ricky Henderson. Oh yeah. Brothers. After he left the Yankees, he went to Dennis the Eckersley. Yeah, yeah. Remember they all those guys? Yeah, they stink. I do. They stink. Jason Giambi. Oh yeah. Jason Isringhausen, we stole him as a Cardinals. We stole him. Johnny Damon. Cardinals stink, too. They do stink this yeah. year. They do stink this year, and that's very frustrating. Should not it be is, because you had big hopes this year. Yeah, we, you talked we a lot of trash. We, we should not be. We, we, we should not be. Yeah. We should be first. We should not be last. Yeah, I, I think you guys the Tigers are actually doing a little better yeah, than they're, they're, well, they play they expected the, to never win. They play yeah. in the worst division in baseball. It's true, but they are. Doing they do good. play in you a can horrible just win the division. games that are at your on your schedule. That's all you can do. Yeah, they didn't make the schedule. Major League Baseball did. Well, it's not the schedule; it's their divisions. Horrible. Yeah. yeah, but the Royals. That's part of it. Yeah, the Royals are bad. The Indians, the Twins. Who's the Indians? They don't exist. Anymore. I'm sorry, I don't know. What the you're Guardians. The Guardians. Who else? Oh, the White Sox. The White Sox. They're good. They're doing good. The Royals. Yeah, they the Twins. The Yankees recently. Who's in first place? The Twins. I don't know. I haven't watched a single baseball game this year. Um, it's too boring. It's too boring. I think they are. I think t- Detroit's second. I'll pay attention in the playoffs a little bit. Yeah. Postseason baseball is fun. Yeah, that is fun. It's a little better, but usually it's snowing. Well, at least the games are shorter now. They shorten the games, so yeah, it's a little bit they more. They did shorten the games up. Palatable <laughs> to watch. <laughs> you don't have to commit such a long. That is one of the nice things about watching the NBA is I know it's roughly going to be two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. Same it's with not, hockey. It's not three hours like the NFL. And it's fast-paced. And yeah, my boys love watching the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's some, Ryle, Uriah will watch football, and Ryle will occasionally watch football, but they will all watch the NBA. Your kids are the biggest bandwagon jumpers ever they in are. sports. They are. They change every week what <laughs> yeah. team they like. I know. That's true. That's Based on the player they like. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, That's I know. Okay. They are. Uriah will, we will be watching a game, and... The other team will go up and they'll be like, I'm rooting for the red team. <laughs> I just changed. I just changed. Or like, okay. Yeah. Like he'll show up and be like, oh, I'm rooting for these guys. That's funny. He likes to win. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we got off on a tangent there. Sorry, but it's good to be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, good that you were with us. Hopefully. You're still with us? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but we look forward to seeing you uh, this coming Sunday, which is Father's, Father's Day. Day. You will not see anybody this upcoming Sunday. I will Sunday. be at youth camp, getting ready for youth camp. Yeah. And on which, Sunday, which means, I which means, Yeah, which means I'll be cooking a nice meal for everybody, not including me and Dave. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'll be cooking for the people who are working there, getting ready. I'm doing a nice thing for everybody, and you turn it into a bad thing. The people just who are working, you me and Dave are here caring for the flock. While <laughs> You're right. Hey, that's okay. It's all right. We'll make it happen. Yeah. You'll probably get Culver's on the way. And you love Culver's. Ooh. I do love Culver's. Yeah, so, good call. so good there call. you go. It's good, all all good. Good Culver's. Good call. Yeah. Or somewhere. Let's see. We could see. I could maybe even, maybe if I go really early, I could swing by Sheshko. 
Yeah. I don't know that, that what that is. It's really good. Mediterranean yeah. place. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Really good. Yeah. On the way up to camp? I Rapids. might rather have that than the barbecue place I normally mm-hmm. go to. Mm-hmm. You should take everybody down to Sheshko. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking yeah. now. He's thinking Could you imagine now. bringing, bringing uh, Uncle Mark down there? He might like that place. He would like, he would like that it place. Would place yeah. That would be a fun place. Slater would probably like complain about something. <sighs> Who knows He's what? Super you know, picky. Like the decor or... Yeah, something outside before yeah. we walk in, he sees and he's like, "Ah, oh, the place is garbage." <laughs> you know how he works. What? <laughs> I just... Yeah, he sent us a picture uh, eating food out of a trash bag. I know. I saw Alicia holding a crawdad to her face. <laughs> I know. Uh, I would eat that stuff. I love that stuff. It looked very good, but it's just funny, you know. It does. It did not look good. It didn't look you good didn't to me either. So? No. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. I, I don't want to get there and suck on the crawdad head. And... No. Yeah. You don't like shrimp. I don't eat shrimp unless oh, okay. it's fried. Oh, I eat fried I shrimp. Gosh, okay, I forgot. I don't do. You order off the kids menu. I forgot. I, when it comes to that stuff, yeah. Well, I'm on Scott's side on this. I would have ate that meal up. It looked good, but it wasn't a trash bag. It wasn't a trash bag. Yeah. It wasn't a trash bag. <laughs> so that kind of. <laughs> He's in Gulfport, yeah. Mississippi. What was the place called? Crawdad, Crawdaddy's uh, something. something. Like that, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Gosh. Yeah, you're right. First though. place he ate was Bucky's gas station. It's like, yeah. come on. So you're down there. That's yeah. what you're going to eat. Courtney showed me a video of these British guys that went to Bucky's and they loved it. <laughs> I'm they sure. They loved it. I'm sure. And they, there's actually a video where these guys, I guess it's the same guys, they took American food and brought it to these British. There's like these British school children in their yeah, little yeah. suit, I've you know, these these blazer jackets. And they're like, they bring them, it's, well, you know, a biscuit. and But they're like, it's a scone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? And so they eat it and like, the kids are like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then they're like, okay, they put this, they put gravy on this. And they're like, what? And then they show them the gravy and they're like, that's not, it doesn't even look like gravy. It's like sausage gravy. And then they like pour it over and they're like, gravy on scones? You know, or what? I don't know what they say, <laughs> yeah. but you know, like they're, they're doing that and then they eat it and they're like, oh my goodness. They loved it. And then they give them like fried chicken, Southern fried chicken, and they eat that and they're loving that. And then they give them sweet tea. And the British kids love it. Oh, my they? gosh. They're like, yeah. oh, my goodness. They loved all the American food, basically. But then they did the opposite, taking British food, like beans on top of toast. Yeah. Looks horrible. And this little pickle stuff. Anyway, the American kids were not as big of fans of the British food as the British kids were, were yeah. as big of fans of biscuits and gravy and fried yeah. chicken. But this is why Sweet you're tea. not a missionary. You couldn't survive. But on the, no. You're on the mission field. Aren't we all on? The, we're all on that mission field. Sure, Tim. yeah, I guess you know. That's a good we, point. we live at the ends of the earth. Yeah, I don't need to go to the ends of the earth. I live there. Okay, <laughs> you know, we're in the Philippines. When you order a Coke, they pour it in a bag. What? Uh-huh. Yeah, they pour the Coke in a bag because the the glass bottle yeah. they're not going to give to you, right? Because they want it. So right. They, yeah. they pour it in a bag and put a straw in the bag, and you got to hold the bag, and it's instantly 110 degrees. <laughs> oh <laughs> like yeah, the Coke is not yeah. cold, but yeah, that's you couldn't do it. Slater yeah. wouldn't drink that because it's not in a can. Got to be canned Coke. Yeah, he's canned pretty, Diet Coke. He's stubborn. He's pretty stubborn. All right. Well, we hope to see you Sunday. Yeah. Until then, hope you have a great week. God bless.